All right, so today uh, let's talk about white fear and the power that it has. So the thing about white fear is that nobody wants to acknowledge the power that it has. It's a very powerful part of a key part in the history of um, white and black people in North America. You know, white people are afraid of black people. They're afraid of people of color um, because their perception of people of color uh, is that we are somehow different than they are, that we're, you know, in some cases less human than they are, that we are um, you know, stronger than they are, we're made out of different stuff than they are, that we're less human, you know, that we're Oh, it's okay to subject us to the horrors of slavery because we're not really people. We're more like, um, you know, less than such. We don't have feelings. Um, it's sort of the behind the Black Lives Matter movement. It's just that, um, you know, we have to remind people that we are the same as them, that we deserve the same rights and equal treatments of them. And one of the key things is uh, white fear. White people are afraid of different things they're different you know they feel more comfortable around people that are themselves and they feel uncomfortable around people that aren't like themselves and unfortunately sometimes this manifests itself into fear they're um afraid of black people and so the thing about white fear is that it has this power to ruin other people's lives it has um same with hatred, but specifically power. So um, in North America, in this country, a lot of white people hold power. It's because of, you know, systemic racism. They've just um, ha are in places of authority. And oftentimes they're in, uh, I'm really talking about in this particular instance, I mean, there's tons of other places where this applies, but particularly in police violence, just again, because I'm thinking of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, literally about saving lives, not just the improving the quality of someone's life, but literally people are dying because of white fear. And so, you know, you've heard many stories of, you know, cases of mistaken identity or the defense of police officers killing people black people in cold blood and they describe their fear as the motivating factor and this heightened sense of fear the fact that they've been trained uh to manage it um you know, to be in high stress situations but you know they see a big black guy and of course you know they're to be excused um, for committing murder. And it's, and it's because it's so reasonable to them. 
and and they have been told to fear black people their whole lives it's been cultivated in them it's been you know reinforced in our society it's been you know over and over and over again just they've been bombarded with um this idea that you have to be more afraid of a person because of the color of their skin and so the think they think that they they think that's an actual defense that they think they'll look around at their white peers and be like you would have done the same thing as me uh how could you not be afraid how could we not be afraid of um you know this fearful person this this black person and uh i really i was listening recently to um Kimberly Crenshaw's TED Talk on intersectionality, and I've sort of briefly touched upon that before in some of my other um, recordings, and she was talking about police violence and uh, specifically how, you know, there's been this movement and action, particularly towards um, uh, the lives of black men, because uh, we just hear about these cases a little bit more. Um, I think people are coming around to the idea that it's very wrong and that black men are the target of police violence unnecessarily so. And, um, but also the, f- the women that are getting targeted and it sort of uh, goes a little more under the radar. I think there's this perception that black women do not need to fear, you know, white fear, um, but they absolutely do. There are stories of women uh, getting assaulted and killed uh, by police. Uh, There's a part in the TED Talk where she just, it's so powerful, where she was saying that, you know, grandmothers are being killed and mothers and women with their children in front of their children. Um, There are women that are getting killed. And, you know, she does say their names and it's... uh, it had a profound effect on me because, you know, she does talk about, you know, we all heard the name of Mike Brown and Tamir Rice and Eric Gardner. And then she was talking about, you know, uh, the women that have been killed by police violence. And I was absolutely did not know their names. And it was, you know, Megan Hockaday and Aurora Rosser and Tanisha Anderson. And, uh, you know, those were people that I did not hear of. And so, I just, you know, was wondering, oh my goodness, it's uh, the whole sexism, racism thing that's coming together again. And uh, it's the fact that, um, you know, all these people died from white fear. White fear absolutely led to people dying. And the perception of black people matters. It it needs to change. It need the way... Uh, people see white people see black people in this country needs to change because it is literally killing people it's dangerous it's dangerous and it's you know it's one of those things where people think oh you know it doesn't matter what someone thinks of me it doesn't matter Um, it does matter it's a problem and it needs to change so I think recently President Trump was saying that uh, him being, you know, possibly impeached and being held accountable for his many crimes was equivalent to lynching. Lynching is the most 
one of the most disgusting and disturbing pieces of American history, the, something that was done to uh, black men and women. And uh, it's absolutely appalling that, um, you know, something would be compared, uh, basically a criminal investigation would be compared to uh, one of the darkest pieces of American history is absolutely disgusting. Um, If a white person uh, was lynched, there would be a war. And that is because the people in power, white people, do not see, um, you know, the, you know, the treatment of, you know, black people as inferior as a crime and to do something as disgusting as lynching to a white person that would just, you know, take their fear to another level. There would have to be action. And so uh, it's completely shameful that that comparison was made and it completely inappropriate. Um, but... Um, Again, just this perception of black people as being less than and, you know, more intimidating or more scary is something um, that, you know, black men have to think about. Um, They're, you know, a big black man is seen as more dangerous than a large white man, a big white guy. Um, No one's going to be, you know, afraid of him crossing the street from him. His life isn't endangered simply by being large. Um, You know, I think I mentioned that friends of mine that are large and black, they have to cower. They have to sort of appear smaller. You know, um, I think I've read really funny articles about guys that, you know, dress up nerdy. There's like a black nerd thing, you know, put your glasses on and then you can sort of mingle with white people, make them feel a little bit at ease. And it seems ludicrous and ridiculous. And, you know, we laugh about it. But the fact is that this is a real threat that they face in their lives. They are so afraid of being seen the wrong way that they could be killed you know um it's uh something that um i i can only the only equivalent and we sort of talked about this as well is just amongst my friends is that it's sort of the equivalent of that the fear of you know women being constantly thinking about you know uh you are sort of always thinking about your safety as a woman. And it's the same kind of idea for black men in that way, in the sense that they're having that same burden placed upon them of, you know, someone would be like, oh, well, he shouldn't have been out at night in a white neighborhood because he totally would have gotten killed. It's sort of, you know, that same, you know, backwards, outdated idea of, you know, a woman being out late at night is asking for sexual harassment. And so... uh, exclude excuse the thing but the it's sort of a poor comparison but it's just sort of that constant impactful piece of um their lives that they have to sort of constantly think about other people and it's supremely unfair but it's just part of their reality and also um something else about you know the perception of black people 
um, immigrants. There's lots of immigrants coming into um, North America right now, refugees, and um, you know studies have shown that in teachers have admitted, you know, good for them, trying to grow and be better, that they perceive immigrant children as young as four and five years old as being uh, basically stupid, unteachable, and it's that's racism. That's racism right there. And it, it's so, um, and this is the thing about uh, systemic racism, is that those kids that are basically have been given up on at a key factor junction in their lives at like four and five years old, their introduction to learning and education in school, how can they um, cultivate this love of learning? How can they cultivate this learning love? It's going to impact their future. How far in school can you go if you feel like you don't belong there? If you think that you're excluded from this safe place, that this place of, you know, growth and um, safety, it's just, it's going to impact your life. And of course, those teachers that are uh, aware of it and, you know, trying to work on it and better themselves, you know, good for them, good for the children that are going to benefit from their learning and growth. But there are, I, you know, the teachers that aren't going to do that work, aren't going to have that realization, and they're going to impact countless young lives in this country. And that's devastating. And that's why these perceptions need to change. That's why we need to talk about this. We need to work on this. We need to stop making, uh, you know, people feel ashamed for having these thoughts and feelings so that they can say that they have these thoughts and feelings and we can grow and work on it together with them and make them see that, you know, um, that they can change these thoughts. Um, again, I just wanted to, you know, as I was, you know, working on this and thinking about this, I was thinking of, you know, I talk a lot about how I'm seen and, um, uh, you know, the name of this podcast is Blockadian. You know, I take pride in having very Canadian things about myself, stereotypically, um, and also black things about myself. You know, uh, I love that mashup about me. I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. And um, I think that uh, I, I put a lot of effort into how white people see me because I know that it's a statement. It's a powerful statement. It's a political statement. I try and be, um, you know, I want to show this dichotomy of myself. I want to show them that I'm not marginalized, that I can be an individual as well. I think that's an important part of, you know, living in this place and who I try to be, but it's also, steeped in fear. I want to show um, that, you know, I fear white fear because I know that it can have a real impact on my life, that I can be killed for being too black in the wrong places. And so, um, you know, my, the way I'm perceived, it's a statement, but it's also a shield. I, um, I have to shield myself from that fear because it's powerful and uh I have to be different in different situations when they call for it and I'm constantly worried about you know um 
being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And that's a shame at this day and age in 2019 that um, that's reality for a lot of black people. So um, my takeaway from this is challenge the ideas, challenge this notion that it doesn't matter how people uh, see you or, you know, challenge what you think of people of color because it can quite literally save a life. Thanks so much for everybody.